Good morning. This is Jim Colburn of Commodity Research Group. I'm with Andy LeBeau, also of Commodity Research Group, and we're here to talk about energy markets. Along with Ed Meir, Andy and I founded Commodity Research Group, which consults on various aspects of commodity markets. Check out our website, commodityresearchgroup.com, where we post our blog and our podcasts. We'd also like to thank our good friend, Doug Stetzer of EKT Interactive Oil and Gas Training for hosting this podcast. You can check out his daily newsletter, podcasts, and learning modules at ektinteractive.com. And finally, a disclaimer, this podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer or endorse any particular trading system. We are not responsible for trading decisions taken by anyone not intended to listen and information is not guaranteed accurate. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivative. Today is January 15th. Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Jim. How's it going? It's going good. Uh, On our last uh, podcast in December, um, prices have moved up uh, quite sharply. Um, Why don't you talk about, why don't you get us up to speed, what happened, you know, why are we up so much? Well, we had a big rally on uh, on the nearby, uh, and uh, dra- definitely uh, helped to uh, drag up the drag up the deferreds. Uh, although the market went into uh, much steeper backwardation, which we'll talk a little bit more about uh, as we head into the uh, into the podcast. And uh, basically, I-, I think a number of things happened to uh, help the market make uh, make new three year highs here. Uh, number one, we did have some supply cutoffs late last year from the Brent field and uh, also from Libya, uh, which probably cut off uh, between the both of them at one point uh, a couple of hundred thousand barrels a day, if, if not more. Um, both of them, however, have been uh, have been repaired, but I think that helped to uh, support price late in the year. And uh, really, the the big, uh, not really a development, but uh, I, I think is the major uh, fundamental has been the continuing drawdown of uh, inventories, particularly in the U.S. Uh, crude stocks. We had said in our last podcast we thought crude stocks would draw very sharply in uh, U.S. crude stocks would draw very sharply in December. I was thinking it's going to be like 15 to 20 million. It ended up being down 30 million in mm. December, which is, you know, that's, that's a big number. And uh, globally, uh, you know, it looks like stocks are, uh, are continuing to draw. So, um, you know, things are definitely uh, coming into uh play for uh, OPEC, and I, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, what's going to happen to inventories here over the next uh, couple of, uh, over 2018. And uh, finally, uh, OPEC continues to uh, hold steadfastly, both OPEC and non-OPEC, in terms of compliance, they've done an unbelievable job, somewhat helped by uh, geopolitical problems and political problems in uh, Venezuela. But uh, their compliance numbers are uh, just outstanding. Um, let me just take a couple points. The, the 40s pipeline is back. Are they still? Yeah, uh, back. That, that's back. Yep. And, and uh, one thing, um, runs uh, were at uh, record levels for the fourth quarter is that correct? Right. Like, uh, in, uh, in the U.S. Yeah, and, and in the U.S. Uh, and I think that's 
you know, the reason stocks have drawn so uh, so dramatically, uh, at least here in the U.S. and uh, and abroad as well, global stocks are drawing, OECD stocks are, are drawing, uh, is demand. Demand's been unbelievable. So, uh, I, I think, you know, we spoke again in our last podcast, uh, Jim, you, you had asked me what I thought about the IEA number for fourth quarter. I said it was too low. And I, I think that's true. I think fourth quarter demand has been uh, has been really good. And I, I was thinking that the uh, record runs were a catch up from the uh, hurricane when so many of them were knocked out. Definitely. Definitely. That's, that's part of it. But I mean, is it also that demand remains quite strong. Yeah, we have to rebuild product stocks. We still haven't quite done that uh, from uh, Harvey and export demand from uh, the U.S. is, uh, you know, really, really just blowing and going still. So uh, runs were, were at uh, record levels. Margins were good, you know, for December. They were, they were pretty strong. So, so runs stayed uh, well above for December. They were, they were record. I mean, way above, you know, way above what I had thought. The last, I think the last, um, the last number was 17.6, which is just, you know, way off the charts. Off the charts, exactly. Um, you mentioned Venezuela. There, there was a story uh, recently in Platts that uh, – just just painted a uh, dismal picture. They're talking about 1.7 production in December. That's a hundred thousand barrels less than November. They're talking about refineries. Uh, I think it was the uh, it was a Paraguana running at 35.2 percent. They're talking about you know workers not wanting to show up because uh, you know the the investments for uh, safety haven't been made. So uh, what is that overdone or what do, what do you think about the is, is Venezuela going to continue to deteriorate? What's, what, what are you seeing on that? Jim, it's hard to trace a scenario where they're, gonna, where they're not going to deteriorate, unfortunately. Right. I mean, today the minister or the head of PDVSA said their production was up uh, in December. Uh, that, that, con- that contradicts everybody's view, and he says that production's going to rise in 2018. But, Jim, you, you just mentioned all the factors that are uh, going to really inhibit Venezuelan production from uh, doing anything else but uh, declining at best. And I think we, at best, it stays steady. At, uh, you know, I think Reuters had them at 1.8. Others have them at uh, 1.7, which is down three to 400 from last year. And that's a big, that's a big factor for, uh, you know, obviously for the Western Hemisphere, but also for OPEC, uh, because as Venezuelan production goes down due to technical and, and political issues uh, due, to, due to the sanctions here in the U.S., obviously it makes it easier for OPEC to, to comply with their um, – you know, with their price, with the uh, production uh, agreement that they made in, in 2016. Okay, so let's, um, I just want to move over to uh, world demand. We were talking about how strong it is, and the uh, EIA came out, uh, was it last week, uh, and their their estimate for, well, for 2017, they have um, world demand up 1.4 million barrels. For 2018, they showed up 1.7 uh, which is a huge increase. Um, the IEA, on the other hand, which comes out, their, their, their new estimate comes out later this week, but last month they had it actually going down from plus 1.5 in 2017 to 1.3 in 2018. And I think one of the OPEC ministers suggested a number of 1.5, which is probably what you like to do is average the three, uh, which would give us a 1.5 number. So 
I'm, I'm interested on that EIA number of 1.7. I mean, is that, is that really attainable, do you think? No, I, no. I don't. I, I think, you know, we, we wrote in our uh, outlook, um, which is coming out this, our, our um, monthly, which also is an annual, we were looking for, right, an average of about 1.45 million barrels a day growth. And, and the EIA, uh, I think, I'm not sure where they're, where they're coming up with the one6 seven number. I, th I think they're really looking for uh, petrochemical demand to really uh, surge, and they're looking for big growth in uh, U.S. demand led by ethane. Uh, and I think that's probably the, the different, well, there's a 400,000 barrel a day difference between the EIA and the, uh, and the IEA. But I, I think the number is going to be, you know, pretty close to a 1.5. And, and, and the IEA, I think, rightly pointed out uh, in its last monthly, you know, you have to start thinking about what are, what are the price elasticity is going to be as as prices get you know have have moved up here uh, with Brent at seventy and and WTI at uh, you know at sixty four. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I think the um, the EIA bumped up the U.S. production number for two thousand eighteen. I mean, I'm probably based on price increases for one, um, but they didn't. You know, they didn't reduce demand, which is what the IEA did last month. They, they reduced demand a, a smidge because of, uh, right. like you said, higher oil prices. Now, there's also this income elasticity. So if, you're, if your economies are growing, there's an income effect, right, especially in the, uh, the, the non-OECD countries. Um, but it's offset by the price effect. So, so there's two things going on there. I don't know how the EIA deals with, you know, did they did they happen to uh, update their world demand numbers at the same time they were looking at price increases and it and it offset. I don't I don't know. But um, it's interesting that we'll we'll see the end of this week what the EIA comes up with. Right, that's coming out later this week. Yeah, I I suspect it'll be a little bit higher. You know that that they'll get up to like one point four. But uh, maybe not. Maybe they'll, they'll stay at one point three. And and the going uh, let's let's get into this U.S. oil production number. The um, the EIA has us now for for the entire year of two thousand eighteen at ten point two seven. They revised it up. I think was it a couple hundred? Yeah, it was a big upward revision. And that's for the entire year. So that was right. a big. That's a big number. Yeah, big number. And. Uh, can that be done? Yeah, I, I think it, it can be done. I, I think what they effectively did is is put it around where many analysts have been, you know, have been targeting like point up point nine to to up a million a, a day on the, um, you know, for for the annual growth. Uh, you know, because they were too low. I think it's 780,000 barrels a day, which was their last estimate. And I, and I think most of the consensus is right around 900 to a million. Uh, some are looking for up 1.1, 1.2. And, um, you know, I, I think that's certainly doable. You know, Jim, you and I have talked about all the hedge activity that's been going on in the, in the back of the curve, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, may or may not. Uh, mean that uh, there'll there'll be more um, production activity later in uh, in 2018, but you also look at the drilled but uncompleted wells. You know that's over 7,000. Uh, so I, I think it I think 900 to a million is the right number. So I think the EIA is 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 correct. Is correct, and and um, in last in the weekly 
uh, numbers that came out, we were down 290,000 uh, in oil production, 9.492 um, from a 9.782 number. Um, it, it is a weekly number. Uh, it's weather related, obviously, but um, you you look back into the revisions. I mean, it, it, can you talk about the the monthly versus the, the monthly revisions versus the weekly numbers and um, what? Uh, uh, what changes you've seen there? Well, the, the it, it's always different. The weeklies are, are just really raw data, and uh, you know they, they oftentimes can be wrong. Uh, you know you have to look at the weeklies just as, as sort of an average. You know, I like like many people, I look like I prefer the four week average to the um, to the weekly numbers to, just to give you an idea but then what the EIA will do is they'll take the actual data uh, and uh, revise them into into the monthlies uh, unfortunately they're two months late so you know they're too much afterwards so you know you can have a big you know a big change which they just did in October uh, raising production way up from over the uh, from over the weeklies, but you know that that two month lag again, you know it, it it kind of makes the numbers more official. I'm not sure, you know, some market participants, particularly geeks like myself, you know, study them study them furiously and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. You know, the EIA did this, this, and that. Yeah. And, uh, when you say uh, some geeks, I think there's only one. I think you're the only one that looks, looks at that. I hope I mean, not. A, I mean, the market, yeah, I know, it, it, it's important, but, but the market really, well, it'll trade off these weekly numbers. And, yeah, and, uh, right. And, 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 and the noise. And sometimes it shouldn't. Uh, you right. know, real, it really shouldn't because, you know, we've seen in the production numbers, you know, the, the monthlies, uh, you know, have changed pretty, pretty dramatically from, uh, from what the weeklies have done both up and, and down. But, you know, the weeklies are the data of the moment and you look at it and they, and they trade on it. And sometimes they're, they're looking at the wrong things like this week. You know, I think the market knew that there were freeze outs and production was down uh, because of weather problems, you know, in the mid-continent. But, you know, nevertheless, you know, yeah. you, you look at the headlines and people, oh, very bullish, crude, crude production was down. Right, right. Um, okay, so let's just take a little uh, turn here. And um, again, the market was up sharply and uh, uh, the financial funds, the speculator, big specs have uh, um, a big part in this move. And can you um, talk about what, how they're, positioned in this market. Yeah, oh my goodness. I mean, you're, you're seeing, first <laughs> of all, it's, uh, you, you know, you look at the long to short ratio in WTI, and it's 13 to 1. I think that's the most, just about the most I've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, Brent is like 10 to 1. So, you know, the, the market is, is way too long. But it has been, you know, it's been over 10 to 1 here for, um, you know, a few weeks. And I think, you know, we've been mentioning, oh my, you know, the, the, the net length is just way too, too much, but it is, you know, it really is. Well, that's right. I know at some point it has to get flushed. It just can't, you just can't keep, you know, at, uh, 13 to one plus let's look at the gross numbers in WTI. The, the longs are 473. The shorts are only 35,000. Yeah, that's a huge skew. Yeah, I think um, I was looking at this market, and um, 
the the 6250 area for WTI front month 6280 was like a resistance and I, I thought having all these funds that long you'd see selling and profit taking going into that but it, but it looks like they're they're playing the breakout I mean it looks like the, the market they're, they're adding to positions and, and uh, uh, not not net net so um, we'll have to see how that develops but it's hard it's really hard to buy it up here even though there's some fundamentally positive things going on um, when, like you said, there it looks like the funds are extended and overextended. Yeah, I, I, I think it's hard to buy it here too. I mean, obviously, you know, as we've mentioned, the fundamentals are, you know, they've dramatically improved uh, throughout 2017 as uh, incredibly OPEC did say they would. <laughs> and, you know, they have. And they so, have, yeah. Yeah, yeah they yeah. have. Um, you know, certainly it's helped that demand has been this strong to, you know, to not, not even bail them out, but to give them some support. Yeah. OPEC agreements always seem to do better when uh, demand is strong. Um, the, the, can we talk about, uh, EIA Uh, again? I'm just, that, that number, their numbers came out last week, so they're, they're fresh. And I just want to go off, um, their stock levels, uh, 2017, they showed a decline of uh, 0.4. This is for the world. In 2018 and 2019, they have a slight build, so, so right. balanced, but but still on the build side. And it's it's just shocking to me to see that demand number pop up and and to see them looking for a build. So, can well, you? What do you? Yeah, what you, you know what? Thoughts? I have to tell you, the EIA they they have one of the reasons they have that build number is they've got OPEC production, which is currently at like 32.3. Uh, maybe even lower than that. And, um, you know, they have it for the year at 32.7. You know, I don't, I don't really see that. I I think because of Venezuela being a big factor there, you know, they're saying Nigeria and uh, Libya are going to be, uh, are going to be higher. So, so their um, OPEC production is is way up and they, they also have us NGLs much higher. You know, they have NGLs up half a million barrels a day on the supply side. Right. Um, You know, I don't think that that's, that's a big number. You know, right. I think most everybody else is like 0.2, 0.3 up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's why, you know, they have builds. Uh, the IEA has a balance and OPEC has a pretty good draw in the uh, in the second half of the year. So again, like, you know, if you take the three together, you know, it looks like there's going to be a, a surplus in the first half of the year, modest, nice. and then a pretty good draw, you know, because the... Um, OPEC's numbers is is pretty ambitious, but nevertheless, stocks should draw in the uh, in the second half, and and you know we think that it's going to be a net draw this year of mm. uh, a couple of hundred thousand. But that I think that's the interesting point, and why the market is is um, you know this 2018 is going to be a very interesting year because it's it's balanced sort of on a razor's edge. And, you know, there's a lot of things, obviously, that can happen geopolitically, uh, as well as fundamentally that can change it in in either direction. Right. And I, you know, I think we focus on the, uh, the bullish factors. But uh, when you think of something like what, what could sort of dampen the, uh, the bulls, I I think maybe something like Chinese demand doesn't, uh, I I think there's like a point. Uh, 300,000 barrel increase expected 300, 400,000 over, over last year. 
Um, does that, do you think that's a good number? you think that's at risk? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good number. I, I think the big, you know, the big thing that is, is what OPEC does in June. Uh, ah. You know, that could change the whole second half scenario, you know, OPEC, non-OPEC, um, because, you know, I, met, I had alluded to this at the beginning of the podcast, but if you look at the inventory numbers, the um, five-year average, which has been their big goalpost, oh, we got to get down to the five-year average, they're going to get there probably some point in the third quarter. You know, mm-hmm. they get to it or maybe even below it. So, you know, again, it, some of it will be dependent upon price. You know, where's the market going to be as they head into June? But, you know, if it really is overheating, you know, they, they could say, all right, you know, we're going we're gonna to exit this deal. Uh, the other factor, of course, is Iran uh, and what happens with the nuclear deal. Um, because even though uh, it looks like we're not reimposing sanctions now, uh, Trump left it open to, that that could be a factor later, you know, later in 2018. So, um, you know, that, those are, that would be more bullish. One, But nevertheless, that's, that's going to be, you know, we'll be watching that. Now, would you say that uh, Russia is chomping at the bit to produce more? Yeah, I think they'd like to get it. They, they'd like to. I mean, they're only at 300 a day, but certainly they. I, I think if the market looks like they, we're going to get to this five-year average, um, they are probably going to be pressing pretty hard at the June meeting to uh, increase production. And they and they can do that. Yeah, I mean, they they may want to figure out how we're going to exit the deal again. You know, it's going to be price determinant. You know, whether see where if prices are over. You know, if Brent prices are in the eighties, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure for them to to get out of the deal. Right, which uh, which some technicians are looking at as the uh, projected high. Yeah. On, this, on this move, so yeah. it's not not an impossibility. Um, let's uh, let's kind of. Get back to the uh, to the U.S. for a second. I just want to talk about uh, crude oil exports and product exports. Um, it's an amazing story for for this past year. Do you think it continues uh, uh, going forward? Yeah, I don't think we're going to see as big a growth in uh, in product exports. I think you know we've, we've certainly for uh, gasoline Mexico was that was uh, the big story. They had infrastructure problems and and demand increases. Um, you know it lo- it's hard to predict what the infrastructure on, on plants are going to be for uh, Mexico, but um, you know I, I, I don't see that that growing. I think overall gasoline exports will, will grow modestly. And I think diesel exports uh, will also probably grow uh, modestly. There's more competition uh, in uh, for, you know, those Latin American markets. But um, yeah, I think it'll continue, but nowhere near the, the rate that uh, we've seen over the last couple of years. And crude exports doubled last year. They went from 500,000 to a million, over a million barrels a day exports. Um, and that is going to continue to grow. I think that that's going to be, um, you know, I, I'd see that a, a, a Hundred to two hundred a day increase still on uh, on exports. Part of that is from a low base last year, uh, in the first uh, you know in the first half of the year. And we had a record October. We had, we exported over one point seven million barrels a day. Which is unbelievable! Unbelievable! Yeah, yeah. Well, part of that is because of OPEC. You know the 
that OPEC didn't produce. Right, right, yes. Um, I'd like to take a quick, not too long, of a, a, a chat about the uh, options world. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing uh, uh, volatility around 17, 18%, and it's, it's just acting like it, like it normally does when the market rallies or uh, there's, there's balance in the marketplace. Volatility gets uh, gets whacked pretty good. You know the long term average is thirty three, so we're you know half of what we uh, uh, normally are. But but it's you know I don't want to mislead you by giving you a long term average because um, this the the volatility uh, implied volatility is not a stable concept. I mean you could talk about mean reversion, but um, you know we 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 were uh, trading twelve point seven is the low. And that was in two thousand June of two thousand fourteen, and um, then when the market collapsed, uh, we 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 reached sixty point five. So so it's kind of um, all, all over the place. And just because we're low now is what I'm saying. Is if if there's any kind of OPEC leakage or or uh, OPEC falls apart for some reason, not that I think that's going to happen, but um, and the prices come off hard, you'll see. Uh, uh, these vols uh, explode. Volumes have been light. I mean, we think about where we were last year, just just having um, an OPEC agreement, and we were setting record uh, volume numbers in November, December, and it's just just the opposite now. The volume's been quite uh, light, and there there are no the, the biggest uh, option to open interest is is the D sixty call with only thirty eight thousand. I think we were over. We were up around 60 last year at this time for the D, you know, the, the, the next year D60 call. So, um, and, and on the put side, there's, uh, you got to go to June. For, it's not front month stuff that's um, got the most open interest. Uh, so there's no, you know, there's no fear and loathing showing up in the, uh, <laughs> you know, in the option market. And, uh, and I probably said more than I need to say about that. And, uh, you know, the other, I will bring up the, the, the CSOs, the, the uh, spread options, um, the flat calls in March and April have about 24,000 open interest. That's, that's a big number for the, uh, for these, uh, 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 so, so Feb, Feb, March and March, April have about 20, 24, 20, uh, 22 to 24,000 open interest on the flat call. So that's giving somebody bought that it gives them the right to go, to go long Feb short March and long March short April. So that's been a pretty good, uh, uh, not sure what the who who paid what for it, but that thing is uh, it's now in the money, I believe, right? Oh, big time, big yeah. time, yeah. And the, and the uh, March mi- minus twenty five put, the, I'm sorry, the March April uh, minus twenty five put is the biggest one with thirty one thousand. So that's where the, that's where that market was, and now we're, that also we're not we're not seeing the big volume trading that we saw say over the, over previous years. It's kind of dried up as well, um, but people are starting to bump up. You know, instead of a minus 25 put, you're starting to see action on the minus 10 puts. And you're actually seeing uh, dollar calls uh, trade going uh, going out. But, um, so that's kind of, um, I won't say anything more about that. Um, what else? Uh, what do you want to talk about? Let's go. Let's talk about prices going forward, Andy. What do you, I mean, this is, we're, we're not in a trading range right now. We just broke no. out. No, we're and in a so bull, it's a bull move. Yeah, so we're in a bull. You mentioned that. Um, it might be hard to continue this rally without a um, a technical correction or, or profit taking thing going on. But what, what do you think? Uh, let's say the next couple of months going forward. Well, for WTI? Uh, yeah. 
Well, well one thing is, is stocks are going to rebuild. Uh, you know, that's seasonal. We have turnarounds coming. Um, runs are, are you, know, you know, because of turnarounds, which are a little, a little shallower this year than, than usual years, but uh, still a pretty healthy slate. Uh, we are going to start seeing WTI stocks rebuild, and um, you know there is still there is still some concern. Oh, you know, there is concern over both gasoline and and diesel inventories uh, rebuilding a little bit too quickly in early January before the turnarounds, but, um, or, you know, through January. Although I, I will mention, we'll never, we're not going to get close to last year's bloated levels in, uh, in either one, but as WTI rebuilds um, over the next four to six weeks, I, I think that, I think the market is going to, um, I think it's going to stall. I don't know price. It's going to stall exactly, but uh, you know, I do. I do think it's going to stall. And as it stalls and starts to give way just a little, we we got to get this length out. I mean, that that's really a you know, it's right. a real overhanging problem yeah. for the yeah. market. So you know, would it would it shock me to get under sixty dollars? No, wouldn't at all. Um, and then as we head into the you know into the second and closer to. Um, you know, close to that June meeting, the market will be all over the place. But, um, you know, I, I, I would, is there a chance that uh, WTI trades 70 in the first half of this year? Yeah, I think there is. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, you say below 60, what about below 50? Would you be shocked to see that in the next couple of months? Uh, yeah, I think that that would be a tough one. Below 50 would be, would be tough given where we are fundamentally. Um, uh, things would have had to change. I mean, OPEC would have to exit the deal, I think, uh, very prematurely uh, to get it under 54 in the first half of the year. Yeah, I, the, the CFT, I've always had problems with the CFTC numbers. One is because they're, they're late, so they're, you get them on Friday, but they're as of the previous Tuesday, and a lot of price action can take place, and, and it's, you know, the uh, positions have changed. But also, um, they used to they used to break out the uh, the passive long only uh, stuff, and I and I think they roll that into um, the the large. They call it, I think they call it managed money. So I think that rolls in there, and those and those folks can be you know they can have um, uh, strong hands. They, they, yeah, these are these could be pension funds that you know they're not trading this stuff, so you can't you can't shake them out. You know, they just right. unless unless they have a committee meeting in, in a year or or a quarter or whatever, uh, and, and they decide, okay, we're going to pull back. But but um, so, so so some of that length, I believe, is uh, and and for a pension fund, it's kind of it's not even a spec; it's kind of a hedge. You know, it's a right it's a small Supposed, supposedly supposedly it's just yeah right exactly <laughs> the hedgulators. But um but you know the idea is that it's not it's not fast money going in and out so. Um, you know, some of that increase that we see uh, could could be in strong hands. So you don't, you know, you see some flushing enough to drive it down, but not not a total collapse. Right. You know, well, so. I think Jim, we, we've often said over the many years that we followed this market. Because I'm going to make a point here that when you look at the total short number, thirty five thousand, right? You got to say no one is short this market. 
Right. That's <laughs> right. That's when, right. That's, when that's the case, you know. Yeah. yeah, you can't, right. You, you, right. It's really hard to add. Right. You know, at these, at these levels. And, and the other thing though, I'd have to say against that is we, when we watch the uh, managed money come in, we always think that, okay, all the managed money is in, and then you see there's more managed money to come in. It's, right, that's true. That just keeps coming. Who are it, these guys? They yeah, I mean, remember back in the 90s, it just uh, exploded. And, uh, right. We, we, we used to talk about fading the funds, and then they got so big, you say, okay, let's, you know, you have to jump jump aboard. Right, so. right. They must... And do you uh, do you want to get it? We recently, last few weeks, we we have seen some builds in in uh, distillates despite uh, cold winter. Maybe that demand uh, draw hasn't. Yeah, I don't know if that's if that's it's, kicked it's, in yet. It's also uh, there is some um, you know that that is seasonal. You know, you look over the past few years, and you do have a, a big build the end of December and into uh, and into January. Um, we're we're in pretty good shape on diesel. You know, last year with the, the, because of the warm weather, uh, you know, the distillate market uh, it ruined the market for months. Similar to gasoline, we we had a big build. Uh, you know, it took it took till Harvey basically to get to get rid of it. Right. So um, you know if. if Last year was not a great year downstream until, you know, Harvey really rocked, um, you know, the, the downstream. Uh, and I know it made many traders years and, uh, you know, the, the, the downstream traders years and refiners too. Uh, but, you know, I, th- I see both diesel and, and gasoline in pretty good, in pretty good shape, but have to, we'll have to, obviously, we'll be monitoring it. So as far as uh, crack values go, they're they're pretty uh, reasonably priced where we are now. I think diesel's a little too high. You know that that's going to come off. You know, one one it, it it averaged. If you look at this year, the the last three months were like over or between twenty and twenty four, twenty and twenty five dollars. Just the crack, the New York Harbor versus Cushing. Uh, in twenty sixteen, it didn't even get to twenty dollars. So it's been, you know, it's it's been pretty high. Yields of distillate are, are going to yields of, are going to be higher. So it, it wouldn't surprise me to see that that crack uh, soften. And uh, in our Outlook uh, in this month's monthly from uh, Commodity Research Group. Um, you know, I think I think we were saying it could get down. You know, we'd look for the crack to get down to sixteen, seventeen on uh, on diesel and um, gasoline. You know, you've got winter and, and summer uh, and summer grade. Winter's just about ending. Uh, it should hold last year's lows of ten easily, and this year it should be an okay year for for gasoline. Not great, but okay. Very good. Any anything else you want to say, Andy? We good. Yeah, as a uh, we invite everybody to. If anybody wants to see a copy of our uh, outlook, um, feel free to uh, email me at alabo at commodityresearchgroup.com or Jim Colburn at Jay Colburn at commodityresearchgroup.com. Uh, and um, I think that's it. Very good. We'll stop here and uh, we'll we'll talk to you next month. This is commodityresearchgroup.com. <laughs>